All right, if you would please turn with me to Deuteronomy 16. <coughs> Deuteronomy 16. Let us hear now again the inerrant, infallible, and inspired word of God. Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover unto the Lord thy God. For in the month Abib, the Lord thy God brought thee forth out of Egypt by night. Thou shalt therefore sacrifice the Passover unto the Lord thy God of the flock and the herd, in the place which the Lord shall choose to place his name there. Thou shalt eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days shalt thou eat unleavened bread therewith, even the bread of affliction. For thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt in haste, that thou mayest remember the day when thou camest forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of thy life. And there shall be no leavened bread seen with thee in all thy coast seven days. Neither shall there be anything of the flesh which thou sacrificed the first day at even, remain all night until the morning. Thou mayest not sacrifice the Passover within any of thy gates, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, but at the time, I'm sorry, at the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name in, there thou shalt sacrifice the Passover at even, at the going down of the sun, at the season that thou camest forth out of Egypt. And thou shalt roast and eat it in the place which the Lord thy God shall choose, and thou shalt turn in the morning and go into, unto thy tents. Six days shalt thou eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day shalt be a solemn assembly to the Lord thy God. Thou shalt do no work therein. Seven weeks shalt thou number unto thee, uh, begin to number the seven weeks from such time as thou beginnest to put the sickle to the corn. And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God according as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. And thou shalt rejoice before the Lord thy God, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy main manservant and thy maidservant and the Levite that is within thy gates and the stranger and the fatherless and the widow that are among you in the place which the Lord thy God hath chosen to place his name there. And thou shalt remember uh, that thou wast a bondman in Egypt and thou shalt observe and do these statutes. Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles seven days after that thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine, and thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son and thy daughter and thy manservant and thy maidservant, and the Levite, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are within thy gates. Seven days shalt thou keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase, and in all the works of thine hands. Therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. 
Three times a year shall all the males appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, in the feast of unleavened bread, and in the feast of weeks, and in the feast of tabernacles, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. Judges and officers shall thou make thee in all thy gates which the Lord thy God giveth thee throughout thy tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgments. Thou shalt not rest judgment, thou shalt not respect persons, neither take a gift, for a gift doth blind the eyes of the wise and pervert the words of righteous of the righteous. That which is altogether just shalt thou follow, and thou mayest live and inherit the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar of the Lord thy God, which thou shalt uh, make thee, which thou shalt make thee. Neither shalt thou set thee up any in image which the Lord thy God hateth. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word. All right, so as we turn now to Deuteronomy 16, the first section that I have mapped out here is 1 through 13. And in this first section, the Lord by Moses reminds the people of the three ceremonial feasts of the Lord as one means to preserve the nation when they enter into the promised land. Much of what is said here in Deuteronomy 16 is very similar to what we see in Leviticus 23, which I also had the pleasure of doing the reading for. Um, uh, They are presented according to their seasons, starting in the first month of the Jewish ceremonial calendar, Abib. For each of these three feasts, all the males of the children of Israel were to present themselves at the place of God's choosing, as we see in verse 17. Now, I'll not go into, uh, for the sake of time, all the details here, because we have heard these before in other readings. However, from verse 1 through 8, we see the Passover, and the Passover was celebrated on the 14th day of the first month, that is the month of Bebe. Uh, It was a feast witnessing to the people uh, of God that they are redeemed, that they are separated unto God by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ as he is typified in the Paschal Lamb. Uh, Starting on the 15th day of that month uh, and continuing to the 21st day, we have the Feast of Unleavened Bread in which they were to rid themselves entirely of all leaven that they might eat, as it is called here, the bread of affliction. And why is it the bread of affliction? Well, it is uh, unleavened bread is called that because they were to remember the heaviness of their bond uh, of their uh, bondage in Egypt, and as they went out of the land, they were to remember the great haste in which they were to go out. You know, when you talk about putting bread together, there's some time that you have to set it aside and let it rise and let it prepare. Well, they had no time for that. It was a matter of having their, their belt strapped on, their staff in their hand, and they were to be ready to go in the morning, right? And so they had no time to leaven bread. And so it is called there the leaven of affliction. The effect of Christ's redemption 
is that we are freed from the bondage to uh, freed from bondage to sin and commanded to purge ourselves of the old leaven of that bondage that we might be a new lump as it is applied in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Uh, in 9 through 12 we have the feast of weeks or Shavu or Pentecost as we know it in the New Testament. This was celebrated 7 weeks or or 50 inclusive days after the Passover Sabbath on the first day of the week. <clears throat> the Feast of Weeks was meant to be a type of the full blessing and benefit bestowed upon the people of God in the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. If you recall, in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, that ended with a holy convocation and a, a wave offering of a sheaf of their first fruits. Now, here in the 50th day, or in the seventh week, we have the full increase brought in. Right? And so as it were, we might say that the Old Testament period was as it were a wave, and now we have the Spirit of God poured forth. Um, as a part of this feast, uh, another offering of first fruits was made unto the Lord. It is called a tribute of the free will offering of thine hand, in which the offer would bring according to his ability and the proportion of the produce for the year and consecrated as a gift of God in the heart uh, of the harvest produce. It was a time of rejoicing. It was a time of festivity. Notice here that he, they were told not to forget the Levite or the stranger or the manservant or the maidservant or the fatherless or the widow. Why? Because it was supposed to be such an abundant outpouring of blessing to the Lord that no one was excluded. Okay? Notice the close connection between the gratitude we have unto the Lord for his countless benefits toward his people and the generosity we are to show others. <clears throat> they were to rejoice before the Lord, not only their family and their household servants, but the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow among them. Then we have the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths, Sukkot. Um, and this is the final feast mentioned. This happens on the seventh month the first month of the civil calendar, seventh month of the ceremonial, and it followed uh, the Feast of Trumpets and the Day of Atonement. Note, remember, on the, the Feast of Trumpets and on the Day of Atonement, all the males were not required to be there. But after those feasts, <coughs> um, they, were to, uh, they were to be there for the Feast of Tabernacles. And it was a memorial of that type which existed between uh, existed in the connection between their time in the wilderness and entering the promised inheritance. In it, the people of God were reminded in that day as we are today that we are strangers and pilgrims in the earth, that this is not our home. We are passing through this world seeking a kingdom made without hands. <coughs> but also notice that they were to set up their tents and their booze where the Lord was with them. Where the tabernacle was. Where the temple was. And so we understand here that this is where the Lord tabernacles among his people. And though we might be pilgrims and strangers in this earth, the Lord has not left us without a witness that he continues to tabernacle among his people. In the wilderness... Christ traveled with them as witnessed by the rock which followed them. 
also in the tabernacle that was placed in the center of their encampment. Um, the tabernacle and the temple witnessed to the fact that the Lord was in and among his people. When Christ came to earth, he tabernacled among us. And then today, um, the Father and the Son make their abode with us in the person of the Holy Spirit, as we see in John 14. So though we be pilgrims and though we be on a journey to a kingdom made without hands, the Lord has not left his people without being there with them. All right, so moving on to section 2, 18 through 20. The Lord demonstrates his great concern for, uh, care and concern for justice and the administration of justice among the people of God. While in the wilderness they had judges and officers placed according to number, now that is changing as they enter into the land that they are to set up judges and officers in the gates of all their cities and towns. As the people of God, we should desire both a, a judicial arrangement of courts in our land and an impartial administration of justice in those courts. Both. The Lord... Um, uh, local magistrates, as we see here, are a most necessary feature of a godly society. We want magistrates among us. Why? So that judgment may be expedient and accessible. Right? Imagine if they had to go to the Sanhedrin for judgment. And so you, maybe you have a poor or afflicted Israelite who has to then figure out a way to get to Jerusalem outside of their normal case and figure out how to maintain their land and so forth. It would not have been as accessible as going to the gate of the city. But notice also the general principle established that they are to judge the people with just judgment, showing no partiality or prejudice in proceedings or rulings. They are not to wrest judgment, to twist, to bend, stretching of the law. They are not to respect persons. They are not to take a gift. And notice here, as has been said before, we see something of the corruptibility of men in this passage. Notice that it doesn't say that, though, that uh, a gift corrupts those who are corruptible. It says it corrupts the wise and the righteous. Right? And so we all see that even the best of us can be corrupted. And so we must put statues in place, which is more than blatant today. Okay? Must put statutes in place to make sure that Judges do not receive gifts and judge impartially according to the law. And then the last section, uh, 21 through 22, we see the Lord taking care to prevent any practice or circumstance that tends towards conforming or replacing the worship of God with idolatrous practices. The people of God may not uh, join themselves in the idolatrous practices of the heathen, nor are they to emulate them. Notice what he says in the, the, the um, last couple uh, verses. Thou shalt not plant thee a grove of any trees near unto the altar which the, of the Lord thy God. It was a common practice among the heathen to place their altars and their places of worshiping false gods in groves under nice shady trees where they could be comfortable, where it was pleasant. 
Whenever we invent worship practices, we tend to make them agreeable to our nature rather than the nature of God, don't we? Maybe it wasn't as comfortable as you were bringing your offering into the temple of the Lord so you might take a little sideways pass into this nice shady grove, right? And then maybe you might linger there a little bit too long. Um, when the people of God were to enter into the land, as we see in Deuteronomy, I'm sorry, Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 7, Deuteronomy 12, they were to cut down this place and burn up all the altars and the groves that the heathen had put up. Uh, here we see that they are forbidden not only from worshiping idols in this way, but either worshiping their God or setting them up as a rival to God's worship in any way. I won't spend any time here, but let's consider that very carefully on this eve of some co-opting of foreign religious practices into even our religion. May God add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his holy word.